Welcome to Track Talk. My guest today is the great Joe Vitale, and today we're going to talk about uh, Joe Walsh's seminal classic song, Life's Been Good. And so without further ado, please welcome to Track Talk, the great Joe Vitale, a man who needs no introduction. There we go. All right. There was a bunch of things to click on. I don't, you know, it, it's like we do these sound checks and then I probably did something after we hung up to, to, uh, <laughs> to I, mess it up. No, I don't know. I got to change one thing here. What we were talking about before. Yes. That did not default. Uh, wait a minute. Original sound musicians is on. Okay. Now we're good. Great. Well, welcome, Joe. Welcome to track talk. Good to be here, John. Man, thank you. Thank you for, for being here today. And, you know, it's always a, just a, a treat and a pleasure to talk to you just about all the, all the different things you've done. And I'm excited that, you know, this is a little different from what we've done before and um, excited to have a dedicated episode to talk about this great song, Life's Been Good. And um, I know there's a great story. I actually meant to get your book and I can still do that, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to you know promote your book that you that you've it's been out for about maybe 10 years now i think right yeah something like that it's been out a while still selling you know it's okay fantastic great a lot of fun stuff in there yeah well i'll I'll make sure before we're done i'll I'll get it and hold it up and uh let everybody see it and i appreciate that absolutely you bet and i think we i think you talk about this quite a bit in the book um but still yeah you do and people should Still buy this book because it's so great. It's so great. Um, so let's, Joe, let's jump in. It's recorded uh, 1978, I think, is when it was recorded. That's right, yeah. As part of the But Seriously Folks record. Yep. And I, I remember it being a, like a summertime hit. Does that sound right? Did it come out like in I the summer? So because it was it was hitting the charts by the time when we hit the road, it was really jumping on the charts pretty good. And so, yeah, it was kind of a summertime hit. Um, I don't remember exactly what the release date of the album was, but uh, definitely Life's Been Good was a, definitely was released in for a summer because of our tour and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I guess I, I could I could find that somewhere. But I I, I graduated from high school that that June of 78. And I remember hearing this song like endlessly on the radio and, um, and they played, you know, on like AM radio, they played the eight minute version of it too. I know there was a shorter version, but right. I want to say, I want to say that you, you could, you'd often hear the, you know, the long version, the full version of the song, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, they did cut a, they, you know, back in the, those days, you always cut uh, a single version, you know, a bunch of edits and stuff. And, this song was pretty long. It wasn't that difficult to edit it down, but even it edited, it was still pretty long. Yeah. You know, yeah. For, for a single back in those days, um, there was no way we were going to get it like three minutes. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. But, uh, but they did cut it back a little bit. They did the same thing to Rocky Mountain Way. All those songs back then, if they were extended, they made singles out of them. Uh, but this one, it did get a fair amount of uh, play in its uh, original long state. You know, I mean, in the full length, it, it got a lot of airplay just in that. But, um, you know, a record company wanted to, you know, they always insisted back then to have a, a single version, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know like this for a long time, the sweet spot was like three to three and a half minutes probably. That's right. It. That's, yeah. 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 And we used to lie to the record company though. We would, <laughs> we didn't think, we didn't think they were going to sit there with a stopwatch, you know, so <laughs> the record company, we used to make them like, you know, uh, 315, 320, whatever, because musically we had to, we couldn't just cut things up. But on the on the actual label on the record, on like a forty five back then or whatever it was, we'd always go like you know two fifty eight. It wasn't two fifty eight. It was like three fifteen, three twenty. But we're figuring if there's a geek out there that's gonna hit a stopwatch and time this thing. <laughs> but uh, we everybody did that back then because it was all not only for the record company, but for the radio stations too. They would see this and they all right two fifty eight. But it was never two fifty. <laughs> Maybe some of them were in the. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Wow. Well, this 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 song has just so many parts, and and it's just such a great composition. You know, it's. Um, I I I believe, if I remember correctly, when I read the the story about it in your book, um, you guys recorded it in different sections. No, it was uh, what happened was. Uh, uh, Joe Walsh brought in, uh, and you, you have to, uh, apologize for the internet. Sometimes it's, it's shaky, but we'll, we'll get it all in there. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah. So Joe Walsh would bring in, uh, either like, um, little, uh, verses or choruses or licks or something like that. He always had this saying, he goes, every song needs a lick. And it's true. You know, and if you listen to all of his stuff, it, they're all based on a killer guitar riff or something like that. Anyway, so he would bring in these things and we would develop them. This particular time, he brought in, it was literally four songs. They weren't songs yet. They were four riffs, four licks, whatever you want to call them. And obviously the first one was the signature. da 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 You know, that one. Yeah. And then he and we thought, oh, that's cool, kind of Rolling Stone kind of thing. Well, we can we can work with that. And he and then uh, this was not related at all. The next one, he he went, uh, he gra- grabbed his twelve string acoustic and he went da da da. Come out of that, right? And then he loves Joe loves reggae, so um, uh, he went dun 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 and we thought, all right, that's going to be a great reggae song. And, <laughs> So, and then he, and then he was always fooling around with synth, you know, me and him would do a lot of, of, uh, synthesizer stuff, you know, and, and, uh, but anyway, so we cut all these pieces as four individual songs. We, we, you know, we, we were just developing this stuff. So we played the, uh, opening riff, you know, maybe two, three minutes. We were just jamming on it because he, that's the way he liked to, um, Make music and record music and create stuff. Well, let's just jam and find, let's find a cool place in this. Let, let's, let's just see where we go with this, right? So we would jam that out. And then we did the next bit, the da 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 We made it kind of symphonic or whatever, you know. We didn't know what we were doing yet. We were just jamming, you know. And then, you know, it was real easy to, to have fun with the reggae part, you know. And anyway, so, uh, what's funny is, uh, that we left it at that and we went on to some other stuff, you know, and, and we worked all week on this stuff and, and Friday we were done and we went home for the weekend and we come back on Monday morning and, you know, Monday around noon to start recording again. And our producer, uh, engineer Bill Simzik, 
uh, he uh, said, you know, sit your butts down. Sit down here. I want to play. Well, he hits play, and it's literally eight minutes long that he edited together. Life's been good. And right. it was like right. he went from one section. I don't know how it all worked out, but it, it literally worked out that that is totally edited together as far as there was four pieces there. Actually, there were three. Then the fourth one was the, the synth, uh, the, uh, in, in, you know, that little dang, 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 yeah. that yep. bit. We added that later. But, um, but there was basically, it may, he turned it into a, a, a song, all these bits and That's, yeah. like, it was crazy. We, we, we couldn't believe it. And, um, uh, and, and so, you know, when it all, all was said and done, when Joe finally, you know, he took it back, uh, home and worked, then worked on some lyrics and stuff. Um, when it was all done and mixed and produced and all that, it sounded like a complete song top to bottom, but it was actually three or four different pieces that were supposed to be three or four different songs. And, uh, you know, hats off to Bill Simzik. He, he brilliantly put that thing together and, um, I mean, we we never even conceived of that. We didn't even yeah. say, "Hey, build, see what you can do with this." We came back on Monday, figuring, "Okay, let's get back into it and develop these pieces a little bit more. Try to get some songs out of them." And 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 it was a song already. It was done. And the only thing he did was open up that one section in the middle, so we could do that little synth bit in in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we 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 cut that separately and then inserted that and. Um, but um, uh, there was the whole song was magical. Okay, it was one of them songs that everybody that records out there, all you guys that record, and you know that there's once in a while there's that moment where like, man, that was yeah. magical. It, it, it's not going to happen like that again. Or who would have thought that it was going to turn out like this? Anyway, so we we, we couldn't believe what he did, and. Um, there's yet, there's more magic yet to discuss on this song about the intro. Yeah. And um, uh, I love telling this story because it's, it just blows my mind that it, the way it turned out. But, um, um, you know, on that first bit, the signature lick, right, that one, uh, that was like the first thing we worked on. And uh joe wanted to get going on it let's go he said, come on count it off i said i don't need to count it off you want me to start i'll just start i don't need to count it off he goes yeah yeah just start and and so so i'm going to turn around for a second and what i did i didn't count off i just started and i went like this i'm just stand here and do this for a second i went like this okay so that's what I did, and then Joe came in. Da, 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 da. But what's funny is that uh, because Bill must not have heard us talking about this, right? And and Joe just said, "Just start, just start." And as soon as I hit my first bass drum, Bill goes, "Oh no!" and he hits record, right? <laughs> and so and we come in after we did the whole take you know we did that that bit the rolling stone bit kind of thing yeah. right? and so we come into the control room and and bill said um 
He says, guys, that was a great take. He said, uh, but I gotta, I gotta fix something. I, I missed that first bass drum, right? And he, and he goes, I can edit one in, and he could have. It would have been a piece of cake for him to edit that in. But we said, well, well don't worry about that right now. Let me, let me hear. Let's hear this. Let's hear the take. So, what we heard though is, since the first bass drum didn't get recorded, we heard this. Okay, so yeah, and 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 we said, "Whoa, shut everything off, shut the machine off." And Bill said, "I'm sorry, I'll fix it, I'll fix it." <laughs> we said, "Don't touch it, <laughs> it's beautiful." So, um, you know, and so to this day, I love playing that intro when we yeah. play it live. And you know, when the Eagles play it, I love hearing Don Henley play that intro live. And I, I did, anybody who's ever covered it or whoever plays it live. But it was one of those things that that's pure magic that that, uh, you know, and I love when mistakes, not necessarily mistakes, but things that weren't planned make great music. You know, yeah. it wasn't a mistake. It was just one of those things, you know, but and once we heard it and and Bill was, you know, of course, he was totally able to, to edit in a bass drum. You know, sure. he, he was a master with a with a, a razor blade and two inch tape, and he could edit anything. And we we said, "Don't you dare touch it! It's just perfect." And so it's funny because for me to play it live, I just play it like I've heard it all these these years, and it's it's no big deal for me to play it live because I recorded it. But when Joe does like a double drummer thing or something like that. Whoever it is, I've played with different guys. They always want me to count it because they can't. Yeah. They can't. I said, what do you mean? Just play it like this. And they go, no, no, count. So I go, one, two, three, four, one, back. Because one is rest, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I went, you, you really need me to count this? Just, you know, I'll, uh, yeah, okay, well, fine, I'll count it. I get it because it's so awkward. I'm yeah. used to it. I, you know, I've, that's all I've ever knew, you know, so that's the way it starts. And actually, it's way more awkward for Joe to come in with the guitar than it is for the drums to start like that. Because right. he has to think my, the first hit he hears is two. Right. One, two, bam, dum, dum. Right. So I, I always thought that it was much harder for the guitar player to find that but you know it when me when i play it with joe it's just we've done it for you know 40 years so yeah. it doesn't matter but um uh but it, it, it's it's quite a quite and then he, we didn't have any lyrics yet and uh joe um brought the once we assembled this thing and this beautiful track that bill put together once we assembled it we sent everybody home with uh you know with with just the basic tracks and then Joe went home and wrote those incredible lyrics to it. And um, he didn't exactly know what he was going to write about. And when that story, when he he called me and he says, I think I got the lyrics, man. I said, okay. I, he, said, I, he, he sang them to me over the phone. And I just said, it's perfect. Don't change anything. Wow. I mean, the lyrics he sang to me over the phone are actually the ones on the record. He never changed a word. Or anything. It was just perfect. And... Um, so, and it's his life story, you know, and it's, yeah. it's so funny and it's just, it's a perfect Walsh, you know, it's, it's, it's him, you know, in a nutshell. And so, um, the lyrics that, are, that yeah. whole experience was so fun. And, um, 
I love that album. That's a really good album. That's, I think, one of Joe's best albums of all the ones we did. That's one of Joe's finest records, and there's so many good tunes on that that record. And um, uh, there was a, just the whole thing was an experience. The whole thing was fun to record. And uh, on that song, that's um, me on drums and, and and Walsh on guitar, and then we had Jay Ferguson on keyboards. Yeah, and we had the great uh, Willie Weeks on bass. Yeah, and and Man. Then we had a a session guitar player from Miami because we cut it in Miami, uh, named Joey Mercia, great player, and uh, so we cut that five piece. And um, I mean, Willie Weeks, come on, you can't beat that. <clears throat> how did so, how did how did that come ahead. about, Joe? How did having Willie Weeks was he was he hired as a session guy at that point? Yeah. He, he was, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what we did was in in seventy seventy six or whenever whenever we did that, I can't remember exactly year. We did that live album with the mirror ball on it. It's called yeah, yeah. "You Can't Argue with a Sick Mind." <laughs> I, yes, yeah. Another Joe Walsh guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that was a um, actually that was a. Um, uh, Don Kirshner, you remember that show? Don Kirshner uh, rock concert uh, was live on TV. I wish they did stuff like that again. They don't do that. That was a great show. And um, I'm sorry, did I cut out? I lost you for a second, but I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that Don Kirshner uh, rock concert. It was live, really well produced on TV, and uh, it was an awesome show. That people were so engaged in watching that show. It was so great. It was all live. No, no, you know, no kind of cheating. It was live. It, it was great. If you were great, it was great. If you sucked, it sucked. You know, so, <laughs> uh, but but what we did was we did um, that album. Uh, you can't argue with a sick mind. It's got the big mirror ball on the front. That album um, was. Um, uh, I'm sorry. That TV show turned into that album. It was a live album. And right. so on that particular live album, we used Willie Weeks. And uh, we had uh, we had Don Felder. We had uh, we had a couple. I mean, Don uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry were backup singers on it, uh, of all things. And then we had Jay Ferguson also again. And we had um, uh, you know uh, actually I double drummed that because I did a lot of keyboards on that. I double drummed that with Andy Newmark. Okay, yeah, yeah it was really fun to work with Andy. And so um, anyway, so. I think that might have been the first time Joe worked, and so I think he invited him down to uh, the studio to, as a, you know, to do the, the album with us. And man, did he he played so great! His his playing on that song in particular is it sounds like you guys have been playing together forever. You know, it I I didn't realize till recently it's Willie Weeks, and it, of course it makes sense because he was just so amazing, but. It sounded like he was like part of the band, you know. He had that. It team. sounded like a band. It sounded like yeah. you know, we like you said. It sounded like we had been playing that song for like on the road for like a year, but we never, you know, we, we had, it hadn't even been played live yet, you know. When wow. We recorded that. So, but uh, Willie played on that whole record brilliantly. Uh, Willie is amazing, and um, so um, uh, you know, we we had no idea what we were doing really. Uh, we just were cutting these things, and the rest of that album is is really great. But um, that particular song's got just wrapped with magic, man. There's so much magic in that tune, and uh, and it's and it's it's it still lives today. I hear it on the radio oh, almost yeah. every day. <laughs> so. 
absolutely. And you know, it's, it's one of those songs that, uh, you know, as a drummer, you'd hear it on the radio and you really wanted to like, you wanted to learn. It was a challenge to learn all the different sections. You know what I mean? Because as you said it was three or four different things put together, especially the, the reggae part was so unique to hear like on a rock station in those days, that, that right. section, the verses. And, and I remember as a kid, not quite really comprehending it right away and realizing, Hey, wait, that's, that's, that's that reggae stuff I've heard before. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? It was like a, a whole different concept of, of like a part of a song to have like that, you know, a reggae feel in there for that, for those verses. Yeah. But it, it certainly worked. Oh man, it works so great. And I, you know, and I never knew, I, I think you might've told me this in the, on the other episode we did, or I know I saw it in the book as well, that, that Bill had actually put all that together really on his own, just sort of like yeah. must've yeah. He sent us home for the weekend. He said, go home, have a good weekend. I'll see you on Monday. We walked in and he pl- hit play on the machine. It's like, what? <laughs> Do you think Joe, what did he, have you been doing all weekend? <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, did he ever tell you, did he have like when he heard all those, I mean, I, I wonder if it was an immediate thing in his, in his mind and in his brain uh, where he, he was able to sort of, quickly sort of put that concept together in his, in his mind, or I wonder if he, or if did he sit down and spend time with all the sections and. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I just think, you know, he, he's an incredible producer and he, he, he cannot play an instrument. He can't, can't sing. He can't play an instrument. He's got the greatest <laughs> ears in the world. He hears like, he was, you know, he was our George Martin. He heard things. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm sure that during, you know, during the recording of those tracks that he probably put together something in his head. Oh, wait a minute. That might work with that and all that. And I don't know. I think it, he just get, get out, everybody go home so we can have some time alone with it. Right. And I just think that he, what he probably did knowing Bill, he, he probably mic, did a rough mix of all the sections down to a, a, a quarter inch stereo mix, right? And then he started cutting on that. He didn't just cut the master. He just yeah. started cutting on the, on the uh, two track. Man, I, what I, I, I can't re- remember how and why it, the, tempos kind of all match okay that's that's my next question you were reading my mind because that's i was going to get to that exact point that it's that's what is so mind-blowing is that your tempos i mean this was way before the days of anything like they can do now as as uh um, I'm trying to think who I, I had a guest recently. You said, you know, there was no digital surgery involved in those days. It was just impossible. So, right, none. You so know what I always say is we had no undo. <laughs> we didn't have undo back then. Yeah, exactly. We had do or don't. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, it just or worked redo. out that yeah. way. Um, yeah, redo, do or don't. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we didn't have undo. The, all you young whippersnappers out there, you think you're so cool. You got undo. <laughs> you know, try doing a trapeze act without a net. <laughs> right, man, exactly. So, uh, no, nah, I love all the new stuff. It's good. But, you know, I mean, and I prefer editing today. No, long, long, you know, that was a long time ago, and, and that was scary. But um, one, one time on that same record, uh, Joe had done a, a solo on one of the songs. I can't remember which one. It was one of the songs. Anyway, it was a killer solo he did. He overdubbed the solo. 
And he goes, you know what? I, I think I can beat that. And we're like, oh, man, that's killer, Joe. That's such a good solo. He said, no, nah, I can beat it. Well, Bill said, well, that's nice. We're out of tracks. You know, <laughs> so that's another thing people today don't realize that, you know, oh, we got we can do 150 more solos. It doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, back then. So he had he had used up his final track on the solo. So, you know, so Bill said, listen, in order for you to do another solo, we have to wipe that one. <sighs> and he goes, I can beat it. And we're like, oh, he said, Bill said he was kind of mad. He says, I'm not pushing that red button. He said, somebody else here can push the red button. So obviously what he did was he, he off, he, you know, he duped it over. About to lose that solo. Yeah. He yeah. made a copy of it onto another tape, right? So, so then we hit record, you know, and sure enough, he beat the solo. So <laughs> we're the ones, you know, eating crow. So, uh, but he killed it. He, he, made, he played a better solo. But, you know, back then, I loved the, that, those challenges and we took chances yeah. and it was creative chances. And, um, I don't know. I just loved that. It, it was scary, but it was exciting at the same time. You know, you can, you don't take as many chances now because what's the, what a chance are you taking? We're going to do another, you can do 20 more solos and yeah. you could edit those. And that's all right. Whatever, however you, you know, end up with a great solo or a great song is fine. But, uh, there was something about those challenges and that fear that really made your creative juices just, came, you know, just, you, you really went for stuff because it was scary because there was no undo as we call it. But, but, yeah. uh, so, you know, there was a lot that went into those records back then like that, but, and, and a lot of magic, you know, because of that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that just to, to reiterate what you're saying, Joe, is, you know, that, that pressure that you guys felt was a, was a good pressure and that, you know, you, you had to really, and, and again, it's no way to imply that people nowadays don't bring their A game, but, but you, you guys had no choice but to bring your A game every time because, it was expensive. It was money. You're in the studio. It was, you know, it was like just pressure and, and challenges and all the things you're talking about made you guys just all go to another level, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I don't say that that's better, uh, in a way. I, I mean, I, I, it, I liked the challenge. It was good. It was, it was, made us think and, and you, you had a little bit of fear there about, uh oh, we better be careful here. But and and you know and I agree all the new records out with younger bands and younger artists today they're making great records and and like I said no matter how you get from point A to point you know it doesn't matter yeah. how you arrive at that song I'm just saying that back in those days we we had um, it was a little harder and a little more challenging but then again who's to who's to judge whether that was better or not I think it was kind of cool that we it made us really think and be on our game and all that. And, and today, even with the availability of, you know, unlimited tracks and, 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 and unlimited editing and, and also uh, no, you know, no destruct of any tracks or anything, you don't hurt anything by trying stuff. There's still a level of, of uh, challenge there, of course. And, um, and they're making great records today. It's just, I, I'm, I'm, 
thankful and very blessed that we, we learned how to make those records like that back then. Now, we really appreciate the new stuff because yeah. we don't want to go through that again. You know, that, was, <laughs> right. that was rough, man. And, um, yeah. So, but it's really, it's really cool to, um, to mix and blend, uh, analog and digital. I always say that. And I, I love growing up with analog and tape and, and only, 16 or 24 tracks or whatever. My first record that were on four track. So, and then we went to eight, then 16 and 24. And so, and, and we thought when we saw that two inch 24 track, we thought, Oh my God, we'll never need all those tracks. And we did, yeah. but I mean, yeah. but now, I mean, I, I try to tell people in, in sometimes I do classes about recording. I try to tell them, look, uh, okay, you don't have to do 24, but let's say, let's make it, uh, let's put a ceiling at 32 tracks. And that's it. 32 tracks is all you get. Try to work with that and see what you come up with. And it's really good because instead of piling on 12 guitar tracks, you might come up with two that are just killer and it's all you need. Yeah. And so uh, there's uh, putting those limitations on tracks it, it's not punishment, you know. It's actually it's creative. It, 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 it's creative, and um, yeah. um, I, I, I tell my own son to do the same thing. And when he's making his records, I said, you know, because he's you know he's the younger generation. He's make you know he's got he started with Pro Tools, and you know, and so yeah. there's he he doesn't quite he didn't quite understand. What do you mean you only got twenty four tracks? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but uh, what I love about what's going on today, though, with uh, with the younger artists, is that uh, they're starting to appreciate things like vinyl. Like yeah. vinyl's taking a big uh, comeback, and um, they want to know. Uh, anytime I do seminars, they all wa they want to know how we did. How did you do that? You know, and that's really healthy that they they're interested in that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and, and they respect and appreciate, you know, how, how it got to where we are today. It had to start, you know, back, you know, doing it, as you said, on, like on a four track mixer, you know, machine and, and evolving to eight, 16, 24 track. It's yeah. yeah. And, and now it's, it's unlimited. So, but, but they're curious and that's good because those records had a sound about them and, and, you know, that, yeah. um, Joe Walsh did not need 12 tracks of guitars. Give him even one track, two tracks, and then he'll come up with a killer riff that's, it is sufficient and, and rocking and all you need, you know, and so, yeah. uh, uh, that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good education to, to visit back then as what we did and think about how that went and, um, uh, I think young people, younger artists are really learning from a lot of that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, to, to really put a exclamation point in what you said too, I mean, listening to, to some of these older records, I mean, Joe is just, has, you know, always been one of my favorite guitarists. And when you listen to his, his work that you guys did together at that time and his playing today with the Eagles and, you know, when you guys play together still today, I mean, his, his playing is, you could argue better than ever, but, yeah. but he's gotten he is, better and better. he's gotten better and better. But, but back when you guys were making these records in the seventies, 
you know, he, he, to me, he really put himself, he, he put himself in the category as one of the all time greats, like right. back then with, with the things we're talking about, these records you're talking about. I mean, his, his playing, his sound, I, I know we talked about this when you did the live from my drummer episode and you educated me in the fact that, that Joe started playing slide kind of late in life. You know, I, I kind of just assumed he was one of these guys that kind of started playing on a Tuesday and by Wednesday he was playing with a slide, you know? There's some slide, very little, but there's some slide on James Gang records, you know, early, like 69, 68, 69. But but he didn't really perfect it till he sat down and perfected it. And that was because he was a big fan of uh, Dwayne Allman. Right. And when Dwayne passed, which I think was around 71, 72, uh, Joe took on the reins. He said, okay, I'm going to, now I'm going to jump in and, and, and in honor of my hero, Dwayne Allman. And man, he got real good real wow. fast, you know. Yeah. And he's one of the top slide players in the world now. And, uh, and, um, uh, and, and, you know, he, he worked hard at it. You know, it's a different, you know, I'm not a guitar player, but I do know that it, you know, it's a whole different animal. Not, you, not every, guitar player can just jump in and play slide. You know, yeah. Things, yeah. You know. Absolutely. A um, couple more things I want to talk to you about with this song in particular, with life's been good. Um, so we talked about Willie, Willie Weeks playing bass, which to me really stands out. His playing is just, you know, and, and you, of course, it's just, it's, it's a great rhythm track, the two of you guys. And did the entire band more or less cut the, the sort of the skeleton of the song live? Was it, was it done with, with um, the, the I forgot the the session guitar player from uh, Joey Mercia. Yes. Joey Mercia. Yeah, we we cut it um, uh, five piece. You did okay. Every, yeah. Every uh, remember those were different sections. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we act might have been even two different days that we cut some of those sections, but every one of those everything we cut for that whole album was done live uh the tracks the basic tracks were done with five of us and joe would uh would tell joey mercia he would be playing rhythm to you know he'd give him certain parts and we we just cut the tracks like that five of us and so yes all the pieces um that were uh, that made up life's been good were all done live tracking with five of us I'm going to, I'm going to play, um, maybe about half of it, Joe, and to just to listen. And, and I want to, I just want to, a couple of things I want people to listen for. And, and you and I can come back and talk about, we talked about the great, the reggae groove that you come up with in the, in the verses. Um, the synthesizers, I know, I know both you and Joe Walsh play keyboards. You play keyboards and, and both plays. Now there's a couple of, are you playing synthesizers as well as Joe Walsh on this song? I, I, me and Joe did, designed and did the uh, the middle synth part. Okay, that's what I. Okay, uh, that's sequencer. what I wondered. Yeah, the sequencer yeah. part, and um, you know that that's a funny story. If you breathe wrong, it'll change a note or something. <laughs> Always, if the temperature and the, if the air conditioner came on, sometimes it changed. You know, it, it was all early. It was an ARP 2600 with a sequencer that did that. We did that with. And, um, uh, but yeah, we both kind of designed it. Uh, you know, we'd sit or we were sitting there trying to figure out what we wanted. And, uh, that's whatever is on the record. That's what we finally came up with. It took probably half a day to arrive at that. Yeah. 
And, and the, and, and that was, that was added later or that was added, um, that was added after, uh, we came in on that Monday morning and heard the, the track. Yeah. And what it was was during where that synth part lives now in the song. Uh, there was just, uh, we stayed on in the key of A and Joe just jammed a little bit. We just jammed it through there for a little bit. And then we started over. Well, Bill edited it so it started with the, with the dan-dan-dan-dan coming out of that synth part. So, but, yeah. but then we all realized that the, the little jam section where the synth eventually was, that little jam section wasn't happening. So we wanted to do something a little more creative, something a little different. That's why we came up with the synth part. Okay, great, great backstory. And where it was a sequencer, were you? Did it have to line up tempo-wise with where you no. had already? Okay. Yeah, we 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 made up the sequence part based on the tempo of the song. Right? Gotcha. And yeah. then we hit you know hit start on the sequence. We played to the sequence. To the sequence. So that was like our click track was the gotcha. sequence. Okay. And then once we got that uh, where we liked it, then Bill edited that into the song. Got it. Okay. So we set the sequencer to the to the song tempo, uh, uh, the basic around the uh, basic tempo, which is around ninety four or something like that. Yeah. And um, uh, then so we played to that sequencer part through. The, we'd hear it in the phones, and we all jammed to that. And then once we got a a decent take, then Bill edited that into the song. Great, great. Now, I, I wondered if maybe it, that makes so much more sense than what I wondered, which was, did you, you know, had you already put the tempo down, as you say, around 94, and then the sequencer matched up with that tempo? But, of course, it makes far more sense to yeah, that have the sequencer. Yeah, that would have been too hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'd have messed that up. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I think I think you would have, you know, your time is just insanely incredible. Well, it it's, Since it was a sequencer, we let that drive the group. Yeah, let yeah. That tempo drive it, and you know that that locked in at around ninety three, ninety four, and um, and so um, when we play live, we use that exact same sequencer part uh, for live, and um, it, I I know it's ninety four because that's what's on my set list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for my metronome, right? Yeah. Good old, good old BPM notes. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, here, here it comes. Well, I'm going to play maybe about half of it, about four minutes or so. About that.
There it is. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to pause it right there if that's okay. Yeah. Um, man. So I wanted to ask you a couple of quick things about the, the drums, the, the kit that you're playing. It sounds like you're hitting some roto toms during those little, like little, or are they just really small toms tuned up Actually, high and tight? No, it's funny how I had to do that or not how I had to do it. The way I did it was I literally took the throw off on my, I had enough time to take the throw off off my snare. Wow. So I played the snare without a, a throw off during the verses. And there was just, you know, there's plenty of air in that song. And I had plenty of time, uh, to, uh, put the throw off back on when we got into the, uh, uh it, it, when it gets out of the reggae part, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, and, and, um, I didn't have rototoms. I didn't have any extra drums. It was a, uh, it was a 67 set of Ludwigs. Uh, and was it the orange, uh, mod orange kit? It you was were? not mod orange. It was psychedelic red. Psychedelic not, red, not sorry. Not the orange mod. The psychedelic red, uh, 67. That's the same kit I cut Rocky Mountain Way with and, and all those things. And, um, um, and right. just a, you know, two rack, one floor, you know, single kick and, 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 uh, I didn't have any extra drums and I, it was a superphonic snare. And, uh, and I, um, I literally took the throw. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, it was no big deal because there was plenty of time. Yeah. And Bill just said, don't make noise when you put it back on. Right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. So those uh, little, so, those, yeah, little flam things that you're doing there, kind of thing, or yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Part of it was we we were just kind of just having fun and jamming, and we didn't we didn't design any of that. In other words, it wasn't it was kind of loose and just. Um, but that's the way the song was meant to be, you know. Yeah. And, um, um, and I end up uh, playing it the same way now live. I don't have to throw take my throw off. <laughs> I have a side <laughs> snare that I use for that, but um, 
uh, a left-handed snare, but um, yeah, in the studio, I literally took, I, you know, that's that that's what we did back then. We did silly things like that, you know. And uh, but it, it worked for the record. And um, um, anyway, and the funny thing is, is um, as you can hear, Joe's got his Les Paul. And he's got, you know, his, he's, he's got his 12 string acoustic on the da 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 I believe that's a 12 string. It's an acoustic anyway. But, and then we have the reggae thing. It's probably a strat or so. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> he goes, how the hell am I going to play this live? Right? <laughs> so, there's too many guitar changes. But, uh, but for some reason he, you know, with a band and an extra guitar player, he's able to manage all that, you know, obviously. Yeah. But back in the day, back then, you know, uh, we didn't have, we didn't play live with backing tracks or anything like that. You know, we had to do it live. So, uh, and we still do. And yeah. so it was funny though. He was like concerned as to how he's going to play it live. And, and we all just said, don't worry about that now. Listen how cool this song is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, the, the, the snare drum throwing the, the throw off on the snare is like the, the epitome of necessity is the mother of invention, you know, like yeah. the fact that, yeah, but what you say is so true, Joe, like so many great musicians were in the studio and they had their drum kit with their couple of cymbals and their hi-hats and they made it work. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah you didn't fly in. And sometimes, you know, back in those days, we didn't have blast sticks or hot rods or anything like that. So right. sometimes you had to switch from brushes to sticks, you know, I mean, in the middle of a, a take. I mean, but th that's what people did back then. I mean, it, you know, I mean, within reason, as long as you have time to, to make the switch. But it was it was being creative like that. You know, we didn't think of it like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll overdub the brushes and, you know, no, nah, you got to do it right now, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal what I did on it. It, was, it wasn't it was so spectacular. It was just, like you said, necessity. Um, Joe didn't like the lower toms in there. He said, you know, tune your toms up a little bit. And I said, well, wait a minute. Why don't I just take the snares off? And you, because you know, you always get that nice high pitched tom sound on a yeah. snare when you take your when you take their throw off. off. You know, take your snares off. So, um, I mean, I, I guess that's you know, I look back and I'm like, I don't know, that's what I did. So that's what you know. You better be happy with what you did on a song like that because they still play it on the radio today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the and the Tom Toms, as you said, they were this like standard Ludwig size twelve and a thirteen mounted Tom. Yeah. Um, sounds yeah. like no no bottom heads. No bottom heads. That was nineteen yeah. seventies, man. Yeah, and, man. And, yeah. You know, and I'm not crazy about that sound, but uh, for some reason there was you know Henley's early. Toms are the same way yeah. with Mac. Every all them seventies sounds. I mean, I I just that's what was done. You know, they used to put the, they did that be, for isolation. They could stick the mics in the bottom of the drum, and it's like you know what? I like I like toms that are open and the whole sure. thing is open, right? But we didn't think that way back then, you know. And that's that was the going sound, and that was yep. what the sound was, and and. Um, you know, back then the record companies had so much control that they might have said, "Hey, wait a minute! I, I want those 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 new hip Tom sounds." <laughs> so, like, well, so they they were kind of dead and boxy and all that. But you know what? So what? That made the record and it was exactly what it was. 
You know? I, I can't imagine hearing it any other way, Joe. I really can't. You know, I can't. I know. Right? When you hear it, you go, like, that was, and like you said, that was the sound of that time. Yeah. It, it's perfect for that song. And it really, like, when you do those, which which we'll hear in the next section, I'll, I'll play the, the other half of the song. But, you know, when you do those, like, in this next part coming up, where you do those hits on the toms, and they they really punctuate it. You know, and I think if they were right. probably were double-headed, you'd get more ring than you really wanted to get that right. real you know, effect sound that you get, that punctuation. And the the only thing that we overdubbed, and this was after, way after the fact, after Bill put this song together as a complete song, we did a synth part, and as after this thing was all done, there's a section coming out of this, uh, the synthesizer part that um, there's a little break um, uh, where there's like a, a, like a, a, a long drum fill. And uh, what I did do, uh, Joe wanted it to be way more crazy. So he said, let's keep that drum fill that I did on the basic track. And he said, would you do a, let's add another drum fill on top of that one. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) He said, just, just get crazy with it. You know, and I said, okay. So we took the drum fill that was on the basic track was it was cool it worked you know and all that but he said i want it to be a little more aggressive in there i said well you want to overdub a new drum fill he said no no no, just add one to that i'm like (laughs) okay and so that's what the fill you hear it's not that crazy it's just it's just that it's a double track drum fill and i didn't double it like i didn't play exactly what i i played on the first one he said make it just you know crazy and aggressive so i i played something different over top of the original one i got you and that's coming up soon right in the in the yes. song i think yes yeah. okay i know where you mean and what i want to i want to draw to people's attention also what i what i think of um the last couple of minutes as the songs like the coda as it's just sort of fading out you guys are just sort of jamming and joe's soloing and you're playing these I, I can't describe it any, any better than like these real exclamation point triplets where you go like, bam, bam. And I just, I, I remember like as a kid hearing this song going, that is so cool. It's just the the creativity of, of adding those punches right there. Just put this like exclamation point on the, on the accent of like you hitting accents before that. And then you go, you know, it's right. right. Well, it, uh, we didn't think that the song was going to be that long. <laughs> I mean, we just kept jamming, and so you know, after you feel in in your in your, you know mon- listening to the song go by, you kind of there's a point where you think, okay, we're we're good, we're done. Let's just have fun now and jam out. Well, we didn't realize that, and then we went crazy and just jammed for a while. And and everybody liked it so much they just left it as the whole take, you know. That's why yeah. it's so long, you know. But we didn't, we weren't really thinking that it was going to be that long. So after a certain point, you, it, you just go for it. Then you know what, what do you got to lose, you know? Yeah. And you and were you thinking like I'm going to just play this and it's probably not even going to make it on it, right. like you yeah, said. So, that's, yeah, they're going to. That's gonna, the attitude. It's like who cares? Yeah. Let's just have fun and go yeah. for it get crazy and sometimes uh it's not crazy it's actually musical and it works good you know so yeah and and they they just he wanted to it uh, the record fades doesn't have an ending. when we play it live we have an ending of course but 
but it, so it just goes on and on and on and on, and, and then it, it starts. It's a long, slow fade, which back in the day that that was really typical of a lot of big rock songs. Right, right. You know, it comes down. It the, the track got a little crazier. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, as I as I got to know your playing uh, as a drummer, you know. In the seventies and in the eighties, when I when I really got to know who you were as a drummer and listening to all the other songs you've recorded, this song to me again, I'll come back to it. Forty five years ago, it really it's a great example to me of Joe Vitale, the great song composer, the great you know drummer who song drummer. You know what I mean? Like you, the things you're even though you like you say you're just sort of jamming and you don't even know if it's going to end up on the final version of the song. It's it's. Your creativity and these ideas of things that you come up with, I think, are so important. And I think it could almost it could almost slip through the cracks of other drummers kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, awareness, if you know what I mean, because you could almost dismiss it as like ah, he's just playing these little things here. But but what they do for the rest of the band and the way you you're playing with the other guys and and it's just everybody playing together to make this. This, well, thank you, know, you. I, I listened yeah. to a lot of Ringo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he, he was a master at that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't trying to be Ringo. I just was trying to emulate all his brilliance, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's a great example. Yeah, I mean, Ringo, you're right. I mean, and Hal Blaine and all these great Hal session Blaine, drummers. Yep, all yeah, all of them. All of them. And, and you know, you, uh, you get to a point in a song where, okay, we've done the song. We're pretty sure that this is by the time we get to this point, we're done with the song. But just in case we're not, let's have some fun. And I think everybody should, you should all record like that because a lot yeah. of times what you think is just, you know, going for something, it ends up being the coolest stuff on the record. So, right. Yeah. You got to go for it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, this is. There's some great stuff coming up here in this last half of the song, which we'll we'll play right here. Life is good. Life's been good. Life is good. Life's been good. <laughs>
Yeah. And, and, and it's another one. Joe's playing slide on the end. So that's another guitar he had to think about live. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, those things you worry about, you know. Uh, but um, um, anyway, yeah, it. Uh, we, we didn't think it was going to be that long. I mean, we're not thinking seven-minute record or anything like that, you know. We, we figured after we... Uh, once we get to that vamp and we start jamming out in the end, it, you know, maybe a minute or something, but it, it goes on for a while. Yeah. I, and the, I, you know, I, again, I can't imagine it. I've heard the shorter version, but I can't imagine the full version being any shorter than it is. You know, like it just, it all, the music all makes sense. You know, it, it goes somewhere. Great to listen to. Yeah. It, 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 it even the long, it, it never gets boring. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't yeah. get repetitious or boring. The ending kind of gets repetitious. It's not boring because Joe's playing his ass off. He's playing. Yeah, right. yeah. But it doesn't get it doesn't get boring, but uh, or repetitive. But uh, so it, it doesn't do that. So it, it's enjoyable to listen to throughout, you know. And, and then at the end, by then, you know, you've heard the song, and and it's it's just uh, take it home, you know. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. I get a little long-winded with my with my uh, my my drum geekiness, as you know. So. <laughs> Me too. I, I'm a drum geek too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's always I love such talking a, about this stuff. It's fun. Me too, Joe. Me too. And I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm just such a huge fan of yours. You know, for a long time, and uh, and I'm so glad that we can, you know, sit down and you can remember all these things. I, I just think this is so important for people to, you know, to know the backstory behind these classic songs like this. It's great. Well, you know, that it, it's 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 you don't always remember every session you you've done, but there are certain ones that like th this is an perfect example of a session it, it's hard to forget any of that because it was so amazing the way it went down and we had we had we didn't plan any of that you know it just happened the way it happened and um um again hats off to bill simzik for an incredible brilliant editing job and and not only edit his physical editing of it but the insight to hear that, how he heard that we we didn't hear that yeah he heard that you know and so um and, you know, it's one thing for you to do all that and cut the pieces and edit. He edits and makes a whole song, blah, 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 right? There's one thing to do that, and it lands on an album. It's another thing for it to end up being one of Joe's flagship songs. Right, you know? exactly. That's what's so cool about it, that, that all that magic didn't really just appear on an album. It, it's still, I mean... They don't play a lot of stuff on that album to this day, but they play that song, you know. Yeah. I hear, you can hear that song every day on, you know. So there's a lot about that that's really cool that not only did we create that and, and there was a lot of magic and all that, but that it, it had longevity, you know, and it's still people still like it, you know, and that's really cool. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, too, when you said, you know, I, I think of that and like we talked about before, Rocky Mountain Way, like Joe has these signature songs that um, he's so identified with. And, and this is certainly one of them. Maybe, um, yeah, a classic song, like you say, that stands the test of time just yeah. forever and ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joe Vitale, sir, always a oh, pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you so much. My pleasure. I, I'm going to have you back on soon. Talk with you, John, anytime. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. Likewise, Joe. Big hand for Joe Vitale, everybody. Thank you for watching for another episode of Track Talk.
Hey, everybody, I'm back with Joe Vitale, and Joe just made me aware of something before we end today's track talk, and I'll let Joe take it from here. Oh, we were just talking about life's been good and the drum sound, blah, 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 and all this, but that is a 1965 Superphonic. That is the drum that was on that record. It was also on um, uh, Rocky Mountain Way, that same drum. Wow. All right. Well, I'm so glad yeah, we got that in there. I mean, those superphonics, you can't beat superphonics. You can't. No. I, a lot of records, great records made with those drums. And, and thanks for letting us know that, Joe. That's, I should have asked that question. Do you still have that drum? And not only do you still have it, there it is. So fantastic. I don't, I don't have the psychedelic red kit, which I wish I would have kept, but I do have the snare drum. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Joe. A pleasure, and uh, I'll All see right, you soon. John. Good Thank you, buddy. With you you right, too. Buddy. See yep. you. Thanks again for watching Track Talk with Joe Vitale, and remember, you can buy Joe's book directly from him on his website, JoeVitaleOnDrums.com, and you can also buy it through Amazon.com, but if you get it through Joe, I believe you can still get a signed copy like I got. So again, through Joe's website is JoeVitaleOnDrums.com. Check this book out, Backstage Pass. It's excellent. Once again, thanks for watching. Please subscribe to Live from My Drum Room, and I'll see you again real soon. Thanks.